Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. We're joined by Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. He joins us every Monday in the 11 o'clock hour, and we appreciate same. Rafi, welcome to the show. Hey, Neil. How are you? So, Rafi, let's start today's conversation off uh, House Bill 10, uh, truth in sentencing. It's passed one uh, side of the legislative process, moving on to the other. Uh, Your thoughts? Right. So let's start by giving a little background. So with House Bill 10, the truth in sentencing legislation, it's about coming back and assessing after seven years what has been the outcome of the Uh, criminal justice reform legislation. It was called the Justice Reinvestment uh, Initiative uh, that went into effect in 2017. So that effort, the 2016 legislative session, was about uh, trying to replicate what Texas was doing. So Texas recognized that there are too many people in the penitentiary. They They also embrace the fact that the people are most likely to go to the penitentiary are the people that have been recently released from the penitentiary. So Texas wanted to improve the recidivism programming that that inmates receive in the state of Texas. And their thought process was that if inmates receive better programming, that better prepare them for freedom and life on the streets, they're less likely to come back to the penitentiary. So uh, this was a two-step program. Uh, Beefing up the rehabilitative services and programmings in the Texas Department of Corrections, and then rewriting the uh, criminal code and laws and revising the good time provisions in Texas law to reduce sentences and accelerate good time to get offenders out of the penitentiary that have been prepared for life on the outside. So what Texas did is they invested $200 million in programming for DOC inmates before they rewrote the laws, before they uh, increased the good time provisions. So they were preparing the inmates for shorter uh, stays in the penitentiary that would and offer them in better rehabilitative services. And then once they were released, those programs that were available in the Department of Corrections would also be available to them while they're on probation or parole. So fast forward to 2016 in Louisiana, we didn't have $200 million to invest in programming. 
we didn't invest one dime in program. We just went straight to, we're going to reduce the amount of time that inmates serve. We're going to uh, not offer or beef up any additional funding for our programming uh, for rehabilitative services for DOC inmates. We will uh, invest 70% of the savings realized in year one into uh, programming in year two. So we're playing catch-up. We didn't do the pre-investment like Texas did. We're doing, uh, we're, we're constantly playing catch-up. Year, year one people get out and they're on their own, and in year two we're going to uh, augment programming both for DOC as well as people on probation and parole. But the people that were released in year one didn't have access to those a beefed up program in rehabilitative services. We just push them back out on the streets. So after seven years, uh, the uh, District Attorneys Association and the sheriffs have been monitoring what's going on. And what has happened as a result of some of that is that convicted felons may serve as little as 35% of their sentences. The Inmate population for the Department of Corrections has decreased over the past seven years, and the proponents of the, the legislation are saying that that's proof that the justice reinvestment legislation is working. Yes, they did get released quicker. Uh, there were shorter sentences. Uh, there was increased good time. But the reality is what they failed to take into consideration that in 2020, COVID hit, which meant that the criminal justice system was shut down during most of 2020 and a large part of 2021. And even when it reopened in various parishes in 2021, uh, it was limited. So there were fewer people being sent to the penitentiary that also impacted the police department and sheriff's offices' abilities in, in many respects. So uh, what we saw was, yes, the inmate population went down, but they're not taking into account the fact that the inmate population went down in part because of the COVID closures uh, relate, uh, that impacted the criminal justice system. So 80% of the inmates in the Department of Corrections have three or more felony convictions. So the advocates of the justice reinvestment legislation are saying that uh, the, the program, there is no uh, definable uh, data showing that longer penitentiary stays equal lower crime rates. Uh, or higher crime rates. They're saying there's no correlation between the two. But if 80% of the Department of Corrections inmates have three or more felony convictions, I think, and that's a statistic that comes from the Department of Corrections, that's an indication that uh, those individuals that are, are there are going to come back unless programming has increased. Now, what's happened with the programming? Well, just before the session started, the Louisiana Legislative Auditors issued a performance audit, and they have pointed out that since the 
the justice reinvestment legislation, uh, $152 million has been realized in savings. But the programs that were funded by 70% of those savings have never been audited to determine whether their performance uh, has pro provided the outcomes, reduced recidivism. And the same applies to the juvenile component, the Office of Juvenile Justice. So we've just been pumping money into programs, and there has been no analysis to determine if those programs are producing the desired results. There's no statistics, no audits of any of that. So we've pumped $152 million over the past seven years, or actually 70% of $152 million into uh, programming and rehabilitative services for inmates, but there has been no uh, study conducted to assess the outcomes of those programs to see if they're yielding the desired results. Another byproduct of the uh, justice reinvestment legislation was that because the good time laws and sentences were reduced, one of the strong points of the criminal justice rehabilitative system prior to the justice reinvestment legislation were specialty courts in Louisiana. So most judicial districts uh, adopted specialty courts like reentry, drug, mental health, veterans court. And over the past seven years, because the good time and sentencing uh, provisions have been streamlined and reduced, finding that inmates or offenders will not agree to participate in specialty courts because those specialty courts are too demanding. So the judges that operate those specialty courts uh, will uh, have the inmates come in once they're released or the, the offenders come in once they're released. Uh, on a monthly or quarterly basis, and the court will follow their probation and paroles to make sure that they are complying with all the conditions and making uh, themselves uh, uh, utilizing some of the resources that are offered to inmates. To me, I think that those specialty courts are critical to reduce recidivism, and what's happening is that those specialty courts, uh, inmates have to and, and, and offenders need to agree to go into those courts. They're not doing it anymore because they get off easier by not going to the specialty courts. They get automatic good time and uh, less supervision. So those courts are another uh, casualty of the uh, criminal justice reform legislation. So, so what, what? So what happens with HB 10? So now there's going to be a floor that's set that they will serve at least 85 percent of their sentence for the most part. They'll right? serve. They'll serve 85 percent. They'll also be uh, eligible to receive good time for participation in some programs. But as I pointed out. It had gotten and that, to be and that's capped absurd. at 360 days, uh, as exactly. I read the yep. legislation. So the most that they can get is 
fifteen percent, and three. And if they participate in these programs, three hundred sixty days. So less than That's a year. Right. right, right. So keep in mind, under the justice reinvestment legislation, you saw where offenders were serving in some instances thirty-five percent of their sentence when they were released, and when yep. they were on, since they were in custody for shorter periods of time, you would think that. Uh, you want to maintain uh, longer periods of supervised release just to make sure that the offenders are uh, continuing to participate in the program that's available to them, but they actually earn good time while they're on probation or parole. So it was reducing not only their, 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 their prison sentences, but also the amount of time under supervision and guidance to uh, increase the, the likelihood that they're uh, completing and engaging and utilizing all the programs and services that are being offered to them. So how Another does this how, how does this become? Uh, Debbie Villio, I interviewed her the other day, uh, and she was saying that uh, uh, expediency and certain and certainty of the sentence. How does this become more certain? Um, you can get up to 15% good time. You can get some additional add-ons for 360 days, which is actually some of the current law. Um, how, how does this go into the evaluation of the amount of time that you serve that it, there's this certainty of sentence? Because uh, coupled with that, I asked her, I said, well, is the state in a position to fund additional jail beds? Because I'm looking at a tabulation sheet that you forwarded to me from Louisiana DOC. Mm-hmm. In 2012, there were a total of 39,986 inmates, both in the local jails, holding them for the state, as well as in state institutions. Before JRI even hit, uh, that that population was reduced by 5,000. So it had been on a decline from 20 to 12, from 2012. And then once JRI hit, it went down about another 8,000 inmates. So it went down about 5,000 before, about 8,000 afterwards over the next eight years for a total of about, uh, it re- was reduced for about 11,728 in total number. Right. Right. What if we go to the last time truth and sentencing failed was because we got into jail over crowded conditions really fast. And, you know, and I, I and I, it was back in the 90s and it was a problem and we slid off of it in a quick way. And I asked her, I said, what is any different about this? Why is this going to be different? Her response to me is that in the general session, they're going to pass a resolution asking the Supreme Court to hold training sessions for judges to sentence inmates to the time that they actually want them in jail so that the judges do the calculation to the best of their ability of the 15% diminution, another year for the the add-ons, so that they can set the appropriate sentence. Now, you know as well as I, judges are political animals. If there is a reduction in sentencing for particular crimes to take into consideration all of these things, do you have a high confidence level that that's going to happen? Because I don't. Right. So the 
calculations to determine the actual sentences uh, are, were so complicated under the, the JRI legislation that no one could figure it out. In fact, there were only a handful of individuals in the Department of Corrections that could figure out the calculations. And it, it was so absurd and so difficult to figure it out that many inmates were held beyond their release date. And they're now suing the state of Louisiana for being held in custody beyond their release date. So you talked about the judges, you know, being educated as to what the release, uh, the good time laws would be and, and the truth in sentencing and making it something that is uh, more transparent and, and, and you don't have to have supercomputer figure out all of the convoluted good time provisions. Well, it also applies to defense attorneys and prosecutors. So when a prosecutor is deciding uh, to uh, maybe offer a defendant a plea deal, if it's a crime of violence or a property crime, they're going to go to the victims. And the victims are going to say, well, how much time will they actually serve? And before, the answer was, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Defense attorneys, when they go to their clients and say that the prosecutor is offering us a deal, instead of uh, uh, attempted murder, he's offering us uh, aggravated battery, and you're a triple offender. And uh, instead of, uh, if you agree to uh, a 10-year sentence, he's not going to multiple bail you. And the offender is going to say, well, how much good time will I get? The defense attorney says, I don't know. I can't figure it out. So if a prosecutor can't figure it out and explain it to the victim, they're going to be less likely to accept a deal. If a deal is offered and the defense attorney can't explain it to his client uh, how much time he's going to serve, then that's not going to facilitate a plea. And that means that the case is going to sit in the court on a docket and back up the docket for the entire system. So if we're talking about, say, a 10-year sentence, you know you'll, you'll get uh, 18 months off and you could earn up to another year. So that's something that can be explained uh, by a prosecutor to the victim. That's something that when, it, when a deal is being offered, the prosecutor knows what section of court and who the judge is that's going to be sentencing. So they can construct their plea deals and their sentencing agreements with the offenders to take into consideration what the individual judge's propensity for sentencing is in that. So prosecutor See, has <clears throat> a lot I don't, of authority. I've got to be honest with you, Rafi. I don't believe that. and Because I, I, I read 15571.3 five times over the weekend. And it's two sentences for the most part. The amount of the diminution of sentence under this paragraph shall be a rate of 30 days for every 30 days in custody. One for one, unless you're convicted of a crime of violence. If you're convicted of a crime of violence, you get three days for every 17 days in actual that's custody. The, that's the current law. That's not the new law. That's, that's the current that's law. The current what I'm law. saying is, is under that current law, that ain't hard to figure out. You know, if if he if he's on best behavior, how long somebody's going to serve? Because there's still the uncertainty of whether or not 
you're going to be on best behavior because, uh, you know, the one thing that, that the governor pointed out is you're getting days off as a participation trophy. Well, guess what? You're getting the same participation trophy under the new law, just a smaller trophy. There, there was no cap under the current law of 360 days. So if offenders... No, there is a, there is a cap of three. It's in, it's in the existing law in 880. It's 360 days. This is diminution of sentence, just good time, not participation in programs. Mm-hmm. Well, the so Department I mean, this whole this whole convoluted the whole thing the whole thing that that screwed this up was was credit for time served, is that yeah. they never really got the appropriate documentation from where they sat pending trial, and and they were never able to incorporate that data into this on credit for time served, and that, you know, and, and that, that, that's just a, a perfunctory exercise of, of, of a documentation. And it was the local jails that never got the numbers right. And garbage in, garbage out. And a lot of this, and, and we have eliminated that, and that's fine, um, but a lot of it's going to be harder, I think, uh, to get pleas because you're not, you're, they, it's a prohibition now on credit for time served. Nobody can nobody can give you that credit. It's out. So, it, so it's done. It's I, done. I, I think I think you will uh, be. I think this legislation will actually increase the the likelihood of pleas being entered earlier because you you will receive credit for time served while you're in pretrial custody before you plead guilty. But you do you're not eligible for any good time provisions until you until after you plead guilty and are assigned to the Department of Corrections. So that means that if the offender is sitting in, in pretrial custody and they want to get out as quickly as possible, they'll get credit for the time that they serve, but they're not going to get credit for good time that they serve pretrial. So that means that if the offender knows he did it and he wants to get out as quickly as possible, after all of their motions, pretrial motions for discovery and, and, and hearings are conducted, at that point it's either, you know, plead guilty or set a trial date. And if you plead guilty, you start accruing good time quicker. So rather than cases sitting around and lingering for months, in some cases years, it will incentivize the offenders once they can complete their pretrial discovery and pretrial hearings to that will facilitate, I think, more pleas and unclog the system and move the cases along. Got to get to a break. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers open overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back, folks, we're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We've been talking about HB 10, truth and sentencing legislation. Rafi, I guess the the bottom line question for me about all of this is, do you believe that we will increase the prison population as a result of HB 10? And if so, do we have the desire to fund same? I think that the, the offenders that will be sentenced will serve longer sentences in, in this. And, you know, look... It's only commonsensical that the justice reinvestment legislation, just with any legislation, it has to be uh, assessed to to see if it's yielding the desired results. So the amount of money that's been, quote, unquote, reinvested into rehabilitative services for inmates over the past seven years hasn't been audited to determine if it's yielding the desired results. So as I pointed out, the well, whole don't get idea me wrong, is, I, but I'm I'm yeah. not defending the JRI because I think yeah. 35% is obnoxious, quite frankly. But what I don't, when I ask the question of of folks that are that are supporting this bill, whether or not they believe that there will be an increase in the state prison population, and if they are willing to continue funding that and they are going to fund the programs uh, for these individuals who have a desire to involve themselves in the programs at these increased numbers, what I hear is that they're going to pass a resolution asking the judges to right-size their sentences. And they adamantly say it will not increase the prison population. And I'm not a math genius, but I know I know a little bit about the throughput into into the state prison facility. I don't see how this doesn't increase the numbers. Well, I, I, I believe I just that it will understand. increase the inmate population at least temporarily. So, if you're going to require that uh, some of the lenient, uh, overly uh, generous good time provisions are going to be revised. Uh, and you're not going to, to get out as quickly because you're going to have to spend more time behind bars and hopefully get exposed to better programming. I think that that would be a temporary type thing because if this initiative works and the state does in fact offer rehabilitative services that do reduce the potential of offenders coming back, I think that the savings will be realized by the investments in the uh, improved rehabilitative services and the outcomes. So if fewer people are coming back, I think that that will reduce crime, which means that there will be fewer inmates. But initially, uh, 
Just like initially when the JRI legislation was approved, it opened the gates and, and, and drove people out without being exposed. And what the public wants, I believe, is they want there to be less crime. And if there's less crime, Absolutely. there's going to be less people in the penitentiary. And all we did was artificially accelerate the good time, releasing people, and the actual uh, savings. What's the cost? We've quantified the cost of the savings realized by fewer people in the penitentiary. We haven't begun to quantify the cost of crime in any community. Yeah, so all of that. seen in 2020 through 2023, this crime be exceedingly high, not just in New Orleans, but many parts of the state. And what's the all cost of that is, that? in my mind, that, that whole, that's all voodoo economics. Uh, reinvestment never works. It gets lost in the shuffle. Uh, the ability and the desire to properly fund alternatives to incarceration and these programs to attack recidivism is going to require the consumption of political capital of the hardcore right because of what they do and they say. And what I'm hearing right now and why I think this is going to – I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to fail – is that we're going to get to that in the regular session. And as I told Debbie Villio the other day, actions speak louder than words. Asking judges to alter sentencing in order to right-size this to the actual time served, that ain't working. They're political animals. they got to get reelected. The best thing for a judge to, to criticize another judge of is they give the minimum sentence every time. <laughs> that ain't, well, ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. Huh? But but the judge doesn't control all the cards. The DA does own yeah. some of the cards as well. Yeah, he the, can the, construct the, the, his plea deal and his yeah. uh, agreements. And look at the, the trouble. Look at the trouble DAs have 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 had us in for years now, right? Uh, and when we look at some of the pre- progressive DAs across this state, predominantly the largest contributors to uh, crime are in those inner city areas, and that's where we find the more progressive DAs to be to be located. And the fact of the matter is, is that is any of this going to speed up the throughput? I don't think so. Well, I don't think I, think I don't think so at public, all. I think the public uh, has uh, had it with progressivism and crime, and I think the public is uh, has embraced the idea that if the police are making the arrests and the offenders are, are proven guilty or plead guilty, the sentences need to reflect the severity of the danger that they pose to the community. And I keep going back to those DOC uh, statistics where 80% sure. of the people in, in custody have three or more felony convictions. So whatever we have been doing hasn't been working. And rather than just releasing those people quickly, more quickly, I think that the public wants them to serve longer sentences. And if the state is inclined to invest money in better rehabilitative services that actually work and perform as they're supposed to, then we'll realize savings and uh, uh, inmate reductions in the future as these offenders recidivate at a much lower rate. But, you know, the interesting thing is, would you agree that there were monies available for rehabilitative programs on the JRI? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and then we look at this report by the legislative auditor, right? Because mm-hmm. we have relied on DOC to be able to fund and finance and operate these rehabilitative programs. What, what has changed? Because when you look at HB 10, HB 10's got a really all-encompassing paragraph at the end. The Secretary of the Department of Corrections shall promulgate rules and regulations to govern the adoption of the provisions of this section as it relates to earning a diminution of sentence and specifics for earning good time and further defining the terms utilized in this section in accordance with the Administrative Procedures Act. Right. And I would suspect that the follow-up bill, if there's any, in June is going to say have some of the same operative language because it always does. What changes? I mean, the, the fact is we haven't had a lot of accountability. The JRI requires all kinds of reports that have to be issued to the legislature on the release of inmates as it relates to their diminution of sentence. And it seems as though none of this, none of it, has been audited. None of it has been verified. And we, and we haven't even evaluated these as evidence-based outcomes. Why? Because... You know, this whole system is really not a system, and it and it's so hard to pull all of these uh, facts and figures together in, in order to do that. I don't see any of that changing. So, really, what this boils down to uh, is if the uh, reoffense rate or recidivism is, in fact, the, to me, the best measure of how effective the rehabilitative services are in the Department of Corrections is to track recidivism. So people Absolutely. that are released, you know. So if that's what it really synthesizes down to, and if the state focuses on that, we'll be able to figure out what we're doing right, and more importantly, or just as importantly, what we're doing wrong. And we don't continue to fund the things that aren't working, and we invest more resources in the things that are working. Because from one perspective, you would agree that having 80% in the jail, which is a limited asset in the prison, is a limited asset or resource. There's only a certain number of beds that the state's willing to finance. When you have 80% that have three or more felony convictions, you are actually selectively incapacitating the impact criminal and making sure they stay in jail. Right. And, and I think that, you know, uh, I think that that's the appropriate thing. You're giving people a second and in many instances a third chance, particularly when you look at an inmate in the Department of Corrections serving time for, probate, uh, for property or drug offenses, you don't get sent to the penitentiary for your first property offense or your first drug offense. You get sent to the penitentiary after your third second right. chance. You know? So those people, in many instances, the people that are looking at it saying, look, this person's serving time for a property offense. He's not a, a, a violent felon. But if they got two other felony convictions, you got to go back and look and see what those convictions were for. Criminals are generalists, not specialists. So they may have violence in their background in convictions. Uh, they may have drug distribution in their, their background, but the DA let them plead to simple possession. You know? So you have to look at the offender and not just the offense to determine what the risk is. And if 
It's hard to get sent to the penitentiary for a property or a drug offense, and about 25% of the inmate population there right now are in there for property and drug offenses, which means that almost 100% of that 25% are going to be people with three or more felony convictions. No doubt. We'll be right back. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Stay with us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan uh, Crime Commission. Um, a lot of folks are, are, are talking about the, the fact that, uh, as you pointed out, Rafi, that uh, there's a desire that more people get locked up uh, for their criminal behavior. And as I was saying before, I, I, don't, I don't support JRI wholeheartedly, but I understand that there has to be a willingness of both the state legislature, this administration, to understand the implications of what they're doing. When you couple the changes that they're doing with probation and parole with diminution, truth, and sentencing, do you see any additional challenges there? Oh, absolutely. So, as I pointed out, you know, the people that are placed on probation, and those are going to be the property and drug offenders, Mm -hmm. uh, largely, they're going to be given probation for their first felony offense. They'll be given probation for their second felony offense. So under the, the, the JRI legislation, not only did you earn good time while you were in custody in, in the Department of Corrections, you're earning good time while you're under supervision. So that never was, was the case before the, the, the uh, JRI legislation. So you're going to earn one good day for every day that you're not held in violation of your conditions of release. So the maximum probation that you can get, supervised probation, is five years. So you're going to earn good time, so it'll be two and a half years. And in many instances for property and drug offenses, you're looking at probation uh, being offered anywhere from one to two years. 
Now two years of supervised probation under the existing law becomes one year, and one year's supervised pr probation is six months. But Hardly in some, enough time. But in sure some respect, in some respect, I don't mean to interrupt, but in some respect, was that out of necessity? Because well, the number yeah, of cases that probation officers, the of police officers, there's a shortage of probation officers statewide, so they don't have time to determine if people are complying with their release. There's some people that are placed on probation that may meet with a probation officer once or twice over the course of the terms of their probation because there's just not enough hours in the day or enough probation officers to supervise the people that are there. So, there are what, ha so that. what happens when this changes, when we say you're not going to earn that, we, we're increasing the time period of probation, it seems to me, again, that means the cases per probation officer are going to be two, three times the national average. Well, we need more probation officers, but I think we can also use technology to supplant and make the probation officers that we have more, more efficient and effective. What I'm talking about is electronic monitoring. So but, if, but is that in any of these bills? Because I didn't see it. No, it's not. But the first step, and, you know, this is the special session. There's already been discussions about we're going to have to come back and uh, clean up and supplement some of the bills that are going to probably be passed and become law in the next session in a few weeks. Yeah, but so you see, I, I, when we talk about Texas making the investment in the infrastructure in advance of what they did, is that not the same argument here? Because, you know... We, we're, get, we're taking it on the come here, right? We're, we're making it more restrictive and everything else. The infrastructure is not in place, and now we got to hope that in the regular session there's going to be the dollars available that we do this and we expand those types of programs, and electronic monitoring is not cheap, as you well know, in, in order to accomplish what, what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And if we do anything less than that, what do we say then? Right. Right. Well, look, what the public wants is less crime. Yeah, and sure. I don't think I do anybody too. believes that if you take a look at the people in the penitentiary, the people that are being placed on probation, you know, if, if the premise is that the fewer people in the penitentiary, the safer will we all become. Does that mean that if we didn't put anybody in the penitentiary, that crime would No, I understand. I'm not, of course I, not. I'm not arguing that, but where I have a problem is that we're making statements and promising people things that connecting these dots are not a direct line. There are other stops along this railroad that need to be had and need to be met, and I'm not sure that the political will, I'm skeptical of this, is there to fund and finance what's necessary in order to accomplish what you want, what I want, and what most people want is a safe place to live, work, and raise our family. And I don't like taking it on the come. I would have much rather them bind themselves right now with these bills and, and promise the public that they were going to fund and finance an expansion of electronic monitoring. And it's easy. We're going to put 25,000 people on electronic monitoring. And we're going to finance it. Yep. You know? But we don't have any of that. And I just, I just think it's, it, 
it's going to be an issue, and it'll come back to haunt this administration if they don't deliver because we'll be able to measure their success prior to the next election. And I hope they all realize that up there. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you. It's commonsensical that this is going to cost more money. Not uh, according to them. I think that, but I, I think that the the payoff will be if we do it right, and that's a big if, if we do it right, there'll be absolutely recidivism. I don't mean to cut you off, but I got fewer people I, going to the penitentiary. I got a hard out. I got to get out. Thank you so much for joining us. Right. Have a great week. We'll be right back. Folks, when we return after the top of the hour news break, we'll visit with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, and we have a host of issues that we'll talk to him about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Guy Williams. This is Newell on WWL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.